like beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It. Happy September. Yep. The month that fall begins, which is uh, wonderful. Yeah, we both enjoy it. I'm wearing long pants and a nice light coat. I think I put the defrosters on, and hopefully it'll stay that way all the way out to like May. Yeah, you know, just turn the defrosters on low, and it'll be good. Earlier this week, I, you know, woke up in the morning, went downstairs, and it was freezing downstairs, and I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, I mean, even though it's cold and chilly, I, I'm into it. I'm so into it. It's, I like blankets. It's great beer drinking weather. I bought a couple of fall beers over the course of the last couple of days. Um, we still got to get you to have the WGR game time to have live on the show so we can talk about that real I've quick. I've had a few. I've had yeah? a few. All I right. got some of the, the, the early ones, and I have picked up a six-pack. Oh, very nice. Thing. So very nice. Very good. And uh, fall beers, I grabbed uh, Big Ditch. They make their fall black, their black lager. Had one of those, like drinking fall in a glass. So, yeah, the season changes and the beers change, and uh, we're here to talk to you about it, among other things, of course. So uh, it's Labor Day weekend, of course. If you have brewing to do, you got to get to Knock Tradition by right. today. Yep, 4 p.m. So we're up until 4 p.m. today, and then we're closed Sunday and Monday for the holiday. So get in if you want to brew. Get in today, grab your stuff. I'm trying to think if I've got a little time this weekend to maybe do it. But um, if you missed last week's show, you can find it on demand at WGR550.com in the on-demand portion of the, the website or at ESPN 1520. We talked about making an Oktoberfest in September, so like a last-minute Oktoberfest. Um, you can still do that. You just might be pushing it into a Novemberfest kind of beer. You got it. And a lot of people are. We've seen a lot of people come in and just start to get their Oktoberfest stuff. We're still stocked up on Oktoberfest blend yeast, tons of Vienna malt, Munich, Pilsners, um, as well as all your German classic hops. So we still have all that stuff. I mean, we carry it year round, but we got it front and center. So if you're trying to make a last minute Oktoberfest, we got you covered. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to the last show, you can get some you know tips and tricks to get it out clean within a couple of weeks. So find that on demand if you'd like to. Uh, hops, ready to harvest. If you haven't already harvested them, yeah. we're approaching the very late stages of that, I would yep, think. you got it. And so it would be better to, I would say, leave it on the vine for a couple of days, another week, until you're ready to oast them or dry them. And we talked about that three weeks ago. Um, but you have to make your own oast. You have to dry them out. Um, you can use a food dehydrator. Uh, but if they're ready and you're not ready, leave them on the vine. So if, if you're not ready to process them, don't take them off and try to put them away wet. Leave them on the vine um, and process them as soon as you take them off. Mm-hmm. Um, at the store, you guys have a couple beers on tap. Crunchberry still yeah. there? Well, that's what I was going to get to. You asked me last week what I have on tap at home, and I said nothing because I started a Pilsner in my fermentation chamber. It was still warm, and then I immediately kicked every other tap. So getting ready for the holiday weekend, I, I finally pulled the – Pilsner out of the fermentation chamber. I got a pale ale in there yesterday, and I went downstairs to put it on tap, and I was like, oh, my God, there's a keg of beer. Mm-hmm. What is this keg of beer? I, I was, didn't even know I, what it was. I spun it around, and Crunchberry Wit. So my only beer on tap right now at home is the Crunchberry White Ale. So interesting. And do you like it enough to continue to drink it? I'm str- oh, I'll, I mean, yeah, it's, that's it's a beer. very low bar. Right there. For you to clear? Um, okay. Yeah, I'll clear any beer. I drink through my mistakes. I would not consider this a mistake, though. Right, right. It was interesting. Um, definitely more of the kind of uh, Captain Crunch came through than the Captain Crunch berry. So you get a little bit of kind of honeycomb and peanut butter and graham cracker. 
um, which is pretty interesting. I didn't use any specialty malt, so it really comes through. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have some at the store, too, so I split the keg. I got some at home, some at the store. If you want to come in and try it, go right ahead. All right, that's on tap. Uh, an event coming up later this month? What's yes, going on we September 30th? So we're hosting a beer tasting and bottle exchange with the three big local clubs. We have the Niagara Association of Home Brewers, the Sultans of Swig, and Das House Brewers are all kind of coming in for a beer tasting and bottle exchange, but it's also going to be kind of a meet and greet. So if you're interested in joining one of the local clubs, come on in um, and introduce yourself. And they'll probably try to fight over you. Yeah. Will be the inevitable. But if you have beer to bring in, if you have something that you've purchased that you've been trying to clone or trying to make a beer like, bring that in. You'll get a lot of really educated opinions on it. Um, and if you have some of your beer that you're having problems with or something you want to show off, bring it in, bring it to the tasting. And a bottle exchange with the Niagara Association. Uh, September 30th. Okay. Noon to three. At the store. At the store. Okay. Great. So plan for that down the line. That's a couple weeks away, of course. Um, yeah. Great. This week, what's, what's the meat of our show this week? What do we got? We're going to do the making wine. We're going to get it out of the way. So we always have to do this once every fall. We, gotta, we have to do one winemaking episode. That's going to be today. Okay. So don't tune out now. Why do you say get it out of the way? Just because it's it's not it's not the main interest I would say of most of our, our listeners. Usually when I do the wine making episode, I get a little bit of flack. Okay. So, have you noticed but have you noticed an uptick in the number of winemakers? And do you wanna know what I've really noticed an uptick in is the number of home brewers becoming winemakers. So as you have a family, you know what I yeah. mean, and it, you know you have a significant other, and they might not be a big beer fan. But as you, you have relatives a... coming over who are not big beer fans. Um, you tend to kind of move a little bit into the wine. So we see a lot of home brewers getting into wine, and being home brewers, they don't want to start off with a box of juice, which is where really where I would suggest. So if you're going to be a first-time winemaker, I wouldn't suggest doing what we're about to tell you. Okay. I would suggest getting some juice first, doing it, come into the store, get a startup kit, get some juice, and go from scratch. But if you're a home brewer and you're stubborn and you've been doing all grain and you've heard wine is easier, so you're going to go right to grapes or right to fruit from the backyard, that's what we're going to talk about today. On a scale of 1 to 10, how whatever, how hard all grain is versus how hard winemaking is. Is winemaking 110. infinitely easier? Infinitely easier. So if you were a home brewer that's never done this, maybe you're thinking, you know, you're saying like families and stuff. This is something that maybe you take a weekend off from brewing and you do something with the wife or the girlfriend or mom or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, or whoever might like wine. Maybe it's dad or your brother. If you wanted to do something different, this is very easy to it's do. It's very easy, partially because with a lower pH, higher alcohol, and yeast that produce uh, sulfites, uh, you end up with something that's really hard to infect. The wine yeasts are also much more forgiving when it comes to pitch rate and temperature. So if you don't pitch right, if you don't get enough oxidation, if you don't get enough, or I'm sorry, aeration, if you don't um, get quite the right temperature, it's fairly forgiving. And if it comes out a little bit hot and you need to age it, you know, Wine can do that. Mm-hmm. Beer has some problems, or certain beer has some problem aging for years, but wine doesn't have that problem. Okay. So I would say labor-intensive, yes. Probably not as labor-intensive as an all-grain batch, if you count cleanup, Yeah. but a lot easier. Cleanup, maintenance, all that stuff, there's yeah. less of that, too? Yeah. Pre-setup for me with all-grain is always like two hours of, right. you know, kind of, you know, I put my water in my equipment the night before. I, you know, kind of wet run everything to make sure I have no leaks, um, make sure I have my false bottom in, 
um, after last week. And then when everything's working okay, I kind of let the water sit there and dechlorinate overnight and then come back and start again the next morning. Yeah. So with wine making, this is quick. You're not going to need as much equipment, um, and you're going to spend most of your time watching it. So a startup kit for a winemaking kit, like if this was going to be a gift, maybe someone's thinking I, this is a good time to start doing this. How, how much do you have to buy the first time you're going to do this? Um, if you want to get all the equipment at once, so you come in, you grab one box, you grab your ingredients, and we don't have to see you again until you start your next batch, you're looking at anywhere from doing one gallon, $44, doing six gallons or five gallons, $100. And, and the reason that the price isn't one-fifth is because the one-gallon kits come with basically all the same equipment as the five- and six-gallon kits. It's just that the vessels are different sizes and the racking tube is longer. So it comes with the same hydrometer, same test jar, the same, you know, straining equipment, uh, yeast, cleaners, sulfites, um, airlocks. All that stuff is the same, and you just have different size vessels. So $43 to do a gallon, which if you're just starting off might be a good size. Or if you're going to jump right into it, which I would encourage, um, partially because I've already confessed that I drink my mistakes. So go ahead, get right into the five or six gallons. It's going to cost you about $100 in equipment. Okay. And once you're started, let's... Uh I mean, how, how many, let me ask you this, how much is there, we've talked brewing, we've had shows about the Grainfather, shows about the Fermonster, all of the devices, like if you're in the store, you could be a home brewer, and then from there, you really build up what you want to do and the level of convenience. Does wine go as far up, or is it much more limited? Like, in I that, would think the convenience is a little bit cheaper. Okay. You know what I mean? Because the, really the stuff that saves you in winemaking is the same, you know, you know, bottle washer, you know, vinator, bottle rinser, um, wine makers, you can get a $15 automatic bottle filler, which in any, a- any home brewer really kind of starts drooling over an auto- automatic bottle filler, sadly. Right. doesn't work with a carbonated beverage, but it does well, work with Well, that's what I was going to say. The fact that it's not carbonated has to take one of the major steps out of it. Oh, yeah. Like you just don't have to. I mean, if you're someone like me who does more of a kegging system, like you don't have to do anything with that. Yeah. So you're taking a pretty significant step. I mean, how well you carbonate your beer is going to determine how well it is when you're serving it, how good it is. And that's just gone. You, you got it. It's a nice step to take out. Yeah. <laughs> and as far as you're talking about the gadgets, um, do those like high end gadgets exist in winemaking? Absolutely. If you go to Blickman.com, you know, Blickman Engineering, there is a wine section, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And the gadgets are just as fancy, and they just have that same commercial look that they do on the beer side. And so you have, like, variable um, uh, volume fermenters and degassers and uh, vacuum presses. Um, and just like beer making, the kind of technology in wine making has also jumped significantly over the past 10 years so mm-hmm. there's better information if you haven't done this in a while and you're thinking about getting back into it do some reading there's better information out there um, and kind of look at your equipment because there are some time-saving gadgets that have come out on the market that you may want to add to kind of save yourself some time all right we'll take a break now we'll get back into so you're actually going to do this you're going to make uh make wine it's our wine making episode once a year as bert said jeremy white bert Teister here on niagara traditions just brew it reminder closed for labor day so if you need to get brewing supplies get into niagara tradition today closed for labor day back on the other side with uh the run through you're making wine it's our wine making show on just brew it on espn 1520 
Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supply. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. Welcome back to Niagara Tradition Just Brew It here on ESPN 1520. Back to winemaking in a moment, but I uh, want to remind everybody that for supplies for Labor Day Brewing, as you guys are closed on Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, get in today, and if you want to start trying cryo hops, you guys still have those in stock, and yes, reviews are still largely positive. You got it. And so people are starting to work them into the regular recipes, uh, build beers around them. Um, we've had more than a few customers who've gotten beer start to finish with them. And we, we, I'm sure we've had plenty of customers who've gotten beers start to true finish that the keg is dead. Mm. Um, and we still have some of the IPA that we made on tap at work. So if you want to come in and try that, um, get something a little bit new uh, into your you know, kind of brewing recipe book this season, give those a try. Okay. And if you're also looking to get in over the holiday weekend, we have full stocks of draft supplies and draft line and worm clamps and replacement seals for all your different faucets, taps, and uh, jockey boxes. Um, whatever you need, we have it in stock. Bring it in if you can so we can match up the parts. Um, if you can't, take a couple good pictures. Um, but we have just about everything you need if we can identify what you need. Cryo hops, the, uh, the brand new, the rage that's sweeping the, well, at least this area, right? Yeah. Two degrees. Early's home brewers. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, about 8% maybe of the population 8%? is going nuts right now over <laughs> Fair these. Enough. The other 90% have no idea what What we're percent of home brewers? 50%? You think the number's mm-hmm. higher? I, th- I think it would probably, that have used them already, I would say actually it's probably pretty low. Because they've only been out a month. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you figure, like, I kind of slipped a recipe in there to make them, but a keg usually lasts me about a month. So if I was going just one keg to one keg, um, I would be just kind of working them in. But luckily, I have the stores kegerator that if I just want to make an experiment and force all of you to drink it, um, I can do that there. So we have one on tap. Please come drink it. I would love to experiment with another. All right. So on to winemaking. This is our winemaking show here on Niagara Traditions Just Brew It. Uh, where do we begin? You said the beginner's beginner should start with juice. Yep. Are we going to do that? No, we're going to go right into because nobody ever listens to us anyway, so we're going to go right into working from fruit. And in this time of year, usually what brings us up is you're looking around in the backyard, looking at the farmer's market, and you're seeing like those you know two-for-one quarts of blueberries, or you're looking at all the apples or peaches in your backyard that you do not have the stomach to eat them all, nor do you have the patience to can them all or make like you know 30 jars of jam, but 30 bottles of wine that's a little bit more doable. Uh, you can also age those in the basement, and unlike the jam, they'll be getting better with time. So, okay, you have fruit. Now, whether it's grapes, whether it's you know peaches, um, this is all really going to kind of work out the same. And the first thing you want to do is you're going to want to wash it. Um, surprise, surprise. So you don't need to wash it with, you know, a scrub brush and Dawn. We're talking about just trying to knock off any, you know, bits of loose debris like dirt, 
dead bugs, cobwebs, that kind of stuff, dead leaves, you want to get that off. So if you can put it into a colander and hit it with some like lukewarm water, that's probably going to be enough. Kind of toss them around, make sure there's, you know, like caterpillars hanging out in there. Um, that's really what you're looking for. And if there were a couple caterpillars, a couple yellow jackets or little bits of dirt, it's not going to kill the process. It's not going to infect the wine. Don't worry about it. So first thing you want to do is wash it. Now, if you want to, you can freeze it. So if you want to procrastinate a little bit longer on this, you know, over-ripening fruit, you can put it into the freezer, and it may actually help you a little bit. Um, by freezing it, of course, you have the water expand, um, and that breaks the cell walls um, in the fruit. And so you kind of release a little bit more. You're almost like pre-crushing it by freezing it. So don't feel bad if you have to put it into Ziploc bags and put it in the freezer. That's okay. It may actually help you get a little bit more yield. Interesting. Now, when you're finally ready to deal with this, you have to first crush the fruit. Now, we sell big, you know, crusher destemmers for grapes, uh, crusher pitters for uh, apples and stuff like that. We sell uh, big Italian and, like, Portuguese and American-made fruit presses. Um, they started around, I think, $60, and they go all the way up to about 600 You don't necessarily need one of these to get started. And, in fact, if I'm doing a small batch, I usually just go for a stainless steel potato masher and a small kitchen stock pot, also stainless steel. And that's it, and it's as simple as you can manage, just like crushing potatoes. Mm -hmm. Fill up the pot about halfway with fruit and just get to work pulverizing it. Um, you can use your hands as well. Some people say, oh, you get a little bit more gentler and you're not extracting as much tannin. Um, if you plan to serve this to anybody, I would stay away from the feet um, or just wash your feet mm -hmm. really well. But okay. Okay. there are some customers that still crush some grapes by foot. All right. I'm Let's... not going to give out names. Although, to those guys out there, I remember who you are. If you give me another bottle of wine, I'll be thinking about How that. How do you know that they do? They just tell they've you? They've admitted. Yeah, oh, they've yeah, just yeah. totally admitted to doing it. I feel um, like technology exists so that you don't have to do that anymore. So, like, that's, you know, sometimes there's... I think it's fun for the person crushing them with your feet. Yeah? Not for the fun for the person that finds out over a bottle of I mean, Merlot. I, yeah, I guess. I mean, if you're crushing with your feet, I think it's some, I think it's more than about making the wine. I think you just really kind of like the sensation on your feet, probably, yeah, right? Probably. Yeah, yeah purple toes too yeah some it's kind of pedicure it's kind of weird all right anyway yeah, so okay we're getting back to so you have your you know crushed fruit now and you need to get your fermenter ready so you're going to sanitize your standard fermenting bucket just like you would for beer and then before you pour all your fruit into the bucket you want to take a um, liner so this is a straining bag and it could be the same one you use for all grain brewing put it into the bucket kind of like you would put a trash bag into a trash can kind of lining the bucket with it and then pour all your fruit on top Give it one last good mix. You can add a little bit of water. It makes things a little easier at this point if you want to. But otherwise, you're going to want to dissolve some pectic enzyme and sodium or potassium metabisulfite. Those are also sold in a product called Camden Tablets. Read the package instructions for how much. Kind of estimate your volume. And you want to add that now. And this is going to do two things for you. The pectic enzyme is going to kind of force the fruit to rapidly ripen. So if it's not quite ripe yet, the pectic enzyme is going to take over, and it's also going to prevent haze later on. Pectin is a protein, just like proteins in our beer. As it kind of sits there, as it ages, as it chills down, it can create a haze later on. The metabisulfite is actually going to kill any bacteria and prevent the juice from oxidizing over the next couple of days. Uh, sodium metabisulfite um, takes um, oxygen 
out and ends up creating sulfur dioxide gas in a chemical reaction. So it's doing two things. Oxygen, obviously, is kind of bad for the wine. It would cause stale or flavors, kind of creating like a pile of leaves, like aroma to it. Um, and the sulfur dioxide is going to kill bacteria. Just like we talked about lager yeast producing sulfur dioxide for aging, the wine yeast also produces sulfur dioxide in order to prevent bacteria. Now, the yeast do this to kind of protect their food source, but it's also just very convenient from us because it stops the wine from turning to vinegar. Now, you're going to let that sit for the next 48 hours. Um, the Pectic enzyme is going to break down. The sulfites are only going to dissipate to lower levels so that your yeast is going to have a good start. Before you add the yeast, though, you want to check the sugar content. Now, this is where it comes into people say, oh, what's your winemaking recipe or something like that? There's really no recipe. The fruit is going to kind of determine, you know, what you're making and what you need to add. So you want to check the sugar content. Now, I know most winemakers work in bricks. This is a beer show. We're going to talk about specific gravity also because I'm more of a beer maker. So that's what I have memorized. So you want to start anywhere from about a 10.75, which is wine about 10% and a 1.12 OSG, which will get you about 16%. So if you're say making a peach wine, you want it to be light in color. You want it to be zesty, a little sweet. You might want to go closer to 10%. If you want to do a stronger, say you're doing, um, you know, plums, and you want to make a strong dessert wine, you're looking for that, you know, starting gravity content of about a 1.1 or higher, and I would suggest a limit of about a 1.12. Um, most likely, you're going to need to add some sugar to get the sugar content up. And whenever I say sugar, whenever any home brewer, winemaker says sugar, we're not usually talking about domino. You could right. use Domino. You could use regular table sugar, cane sugar, um, but it's going to add some cidery kind of sour flavors, and it's also going to cause yeast to brew some more fuchsia alcohol, so it's going to be a little bit harsher and take a little bit longer to age. Um, my first choice is probably corn sugar for fruit wines because it kind of preserves the flavor of the fruit. It's very neutral. This is We see it also in beer making to try to make light beers. Um, you can also use honey, terminado sugar, sugar in the raw. You can use fruit concentrates, although that may screw up your acids and tannins later on. Um, but you're going to want to add some sugar by chances. And the reason we have no recipe for you is we don't know how much you're going to need. So when you come into the store, buy some extra, um, measure the content, add a little, measure again. Each pound of sugar gets you about 35 to 40 points of gravity. So account for that when you're adding it. Um, but you're just going to add a little check, add a little check. Once you get up to the starting gravity that you want, you're simply going to sprinkle your yeast on top, add nutrient, and then close up the fermenter, place it out of the sunlight, some area that's around 65 degrees. Now that we're getting into fall, it's going to be a little bit easier to find and just try to forget about it for two to three weeks. Um, it doesn't need quite the attenu you know, attention is uh, beer. Uh, you're not trying to trap it at a certain attenuation. You're not trying to pull it off the you know primary super early. So you can go ahead and forget about it for two to three weeks. Um, 
Don't be surprised if it takes a little bit longer to start. Wine How will you know that it's started? Or, or You're really going to have to open it up and check it. You may see some bubbles, but wine yeast does not ferment with the kind of same explosion that we get with beer. Um, you're not going to get the foam because it doesn't have anything to kind of create that tension, and the yeast just doesn't ferment as rapidly. So anywhere from, like, we'll say two to five days later, you want to open it up, and you might see a little bit of fizzing. You might see a little foam around the edge, nothing kind of coming over the middle. But really, with winemaking, the only way to tell um, is with your hydrometer. Um, it doesn't produce as fast. So if you're using a bucket, which is a lot easier to clean, you don't get a great seal, um, check on it with a hydrometer. And people call us all the time. They try to describe when they bought it, where they bought it, where it's been, what fermenter it's in. And then we ask them, do you have a hydrometer reading? And they'll run through all the lists of you know where it's been and what's gone on. And we tell them it's seven bucks, grab the hydrometer. It's the only way you're going to be able to tell. Mm-hmm. So after two to three weeks, pull off the you know, pull out the bag, try to wring it out or press it as best as you can, uh, and then take a hydrometer reading to make sure the wine is finished fermenting. Keep checking on it every week until it's done. Um, with wine yeast, they do ferment about 100% of the sugars. Beer, we're used to about 70 to 78. Wine is usually about 98 to 100% of the sugars. So it's literally going to go all the way back down to one, from, you know, 1.1 all the way back down to one. And again, that hydrometer is the only way that you're going to know it's truly done. And when it is, you can move it into a secondary fermenter, a car buoy, not a bucket, and try to fill it all the way to the top. And now you can bulk age it if you want. And this is where a little bit of the art form with winemaking comes in. I tend not to bulk age as much anymore um, because I feel like there's not as much happening as there is in the bottles. But you could leave it there, you know, till next fall really, if you wanted to. If you wanted to let there and let it sit all bulk age, procrastinate another 12 months until you have more, you know, overripe fruit kind of, you know, invading the house, building a nice fruit fry colony, Hmm. you have about a year to procrastinate. So you can put it away for a year. I would suggest putting it away for a month or two and then getting into bottles because it's going to age a little bit better in the bottles. Now, unlike beer making, which you do everything on one day with bottling, and you have to add sugar and stuff like that, with the wine making, it's a little bit easier. About a week or anywhere from a week to months before you plan to bottle, you're going to want to add a clarifier. It can be gelatin. It can be isinglass. Um, and you're also going to want to add more sulfite because all the sulfite that we added in the beginning has dissipated. It's, it's trapped oxygen, turned into sulfur dioxide gas, and come out through the cork. So we need to add a little bit more um, And then you also need to add potassium sorbate, vitamin K. The sulfide, again, is going to prevent bacteria. It's going to prevent oxidation. The sorbate, people often say, kills the yeast, which doesn't actually kill the yeast. It's actually a nutrient for them, and it actually makes them dormant. So once you add the sorbate, it won't stop a working fermentation, but it will stop Mm -hmm. re-fermentation. Once you get that going, you can back-sweeten and you will want to back sweeten. Even if you like, quote unquote, dry wine, it usually has a little bit of sugar left in it. So you will want to back sweet a little bit, and that's where the domino is going to come in. Mm-hmm. You want to bottle with potassium sorbate. You're going to add sugar and acid blend to taste. Once you get it to where you like it, that's it. You're done. Put it into bottles. Put a cork into it. Um, the one thing you do not want to do with your corks is soak it. And you're going to go online, and a bunch of people are going to tell you to soak the corks. It's going to make it easier. Quick thing, water doesn't compress, 
makes the cork expand. So when you put the water and it fully saturates the cork and you put it into the corker, it's going to break it mm -hmm. because the water simply will not compress and can't get out of the cork fast enough. Two weeks upright and then try to leave it. Again, forget about it on its side, someplace cold out of the light in the basement. And in one year, you'll have some fine wine. In a couple of weeks, you'll have some great wine, but after a year, it will taste a lot better. All right. Bottling aging, all taken care of? We'll, we'll take, yeah. Some we'll other time? Taken care of. Some other time. Okay. Any more questions, send them in. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on the website. Or um, pop in today because you guys are closed on Monday. You got it. All right. That's it for us. Thanks for listening to Niagara Traditions. Just brew it on ESPN 1520. You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.